Right, good morning everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett and we're going to be starting a new series this morning talking about experiencing the spirit of faith. And we'll talk about that more in just a moment. Thank you for following us again. All, just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website, lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel. <coughs> Excuse me, <coughs> Lighthouse Discipleship Center, and uh, we just thank you again for all of our financial partners who have uh, partnered with us with their tithes and your offerings at, light, at LighthouseDiscipleship.org. Excuse me. Uh, we'll be uh, just so you know we will have a Bible study tonight at six o'clock on Effortless Change by Andrew Womack, and then again on Wednesday nights at seven o'clock. The Believer's Authority by the same author, uh, Andrew Womack. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump right in <coughs> excuse me, to our message this morning on experiencing the spirit of faith. So uh, anyway, I'm excited about this. Uh, you know, uh, anyway, a lot I want to say, and hopefully it comes out. This is actually... Those of us who've been following us the last uh, couple of months, I just completed last Sunday a series on knowing the Holy Spirit. In many ways, this is a continuation of that series. I'm not going to be highlighting the Holy Spirit, per se, <coughs> in this teaching, not that I won't talk about him. And you'll see, you'll see some interaction with that here at the beginning of that transition here. But... You know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, faith, or faithfulness. Depending on what your translation is, if you stay down the Greek, it means to be full of faith. And so, and to be full of faith, there's also a faithfulness, there's a steadfastness to that. And anyway, I just, uh, I'm not highlighting that today, but we have the Spirit of faith. And we're going to be talking about, and I want us not just to know faith, but to experience the spirit of faith, and I'll explain the spirit of faith uh, in just a moment. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming this will be about a five or six week series, and then I'm going to do a new series uh, talking about walking in the anointing, which is really a continuation of this teaching as well. It just has some new, new verbiage on it and whatnot, which is also a continuation of my previous teaching on knowing the Holy Spirit, which all three of these combined kind of make a trilogy of teachings, and uh, so they kind of go hand in hand. But I take it from another angle. So anyway, we're talking about experiencing the spirit of faith. So if you have your Bibles, <coughs> excuse me, go ahead and turn with me to our key scripture for this this series. It's going to be Second Corinthians chapter four, verse thirteen. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse thirteen. And today, what we're going to do, we're going to read verse thirteen here, and then we're going to go back to the beginning of the chapter and read up to where we're at. So we're going to start kind of towards the end of this context, and then we're going to go back and read it, and then read some, read it a little further on. But let's just kick off our main verse here. <coughs> Excuse me. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse thirteen. I'm going to be reading from the King, New King James Version. And Paul's writing says, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. 
we also believe and therefore speak. <coughs> Again, Paul's writing this, and he's quoting from David, and we're going to look at David a little bit later this morning. He says, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Okay? We have the spirit of faith. There's two things we're going to highlight here, especially at the beginning, but even throughout the series. It's two different things. We have the spirit of faith. And second, the spirit of faith speaks. Again, two things I'm going to highlight in this teaching. That we have the spirit of faith. And that the spirit of faith speaks. Let's go back to our scripture real quick. And since we have the same <coughs> spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. So again, two things I'm going to highlight during out of the series is that we have the spirit of faith, and second, the spirit of faith speaks. We're not trying to get the spirit of faith. If we have God, if we have the Holy Spirit, we have the spirit. It's the spirit. It's not just a spirit of faith. There's many spirits out there, but it's the spirit of faith. And the spirit of faith that we have speaks. Those are the two things that we're going to highlight this morning and throughout the series. That we have the spirit of faith, and the spirit of faith that we have speaks. Okay? That's hopefully very clear. So, again, we have the spirit of faith. So when we're talking about we have the spirit of faith, the spirit of faith speaks. The spirit of faith in our born-again spirits is the same spirit of faith that Jesus has. Again, if you've been following us the last few weeks, we've already talked about how we have the Spirit of God. We have the Holy Spirit. And by that, when we are born again, we have His Spirit. We have His nature. We have His virtue. And that means we also have His faith. We're not trying to get it. We only have the Spirit of faith. Because our key verse that we're starting out this morning is that we have, since we have, and it's we, plural. It's not just Paul. Paul's writing this. <coughs> but we, the church, born-again believers, have the same spirit of faith according to what is written. We're going to look at what is written in a little while. But before I get there, we have the same spirit of faith. And because we have the same spirit of faith, we believe and therefore we speak. So we're going to be talking about we have the spirit of faith and in our born-again spirits. But because we have the same, we have the spirit of faith, the spirit of faith that we have speaks. <coughs> Let me just say here, I'll, I'll tag on this a little bit later, but fear also speaks. Unbelief also speaks. Worry also speaks. Uh, it has a voice too, but we're talking about faith, okay? Therefore, some things, because we have the spirit of faith, there are some things we're going to say, okay? We will speak what we believe. We can also speak what we also don't believe. We can also speak the things that we are worried about. And that's usually the case. As Andrew Womack would say many times, it's not usually a faith issue. It's an unbelief issue. And so 
What are you speaking? And what you are speaking, we can tell what you really believe by what you are saying and what you are speaking. We're going to get into this, but Jesus says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in the abundance of your heart? What's in your heart? Because whatever's in your heart, it's going to come out. Whether it's unbelief or whether it's faith. Whether it's the spirit of faith or the spirit of fear. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but power of love and a sound mind. Okay? So, the, we, again, we have the spirit of faith and the spirit that we have speaks. Okay? We're going to build on this. I'm just starting. Okay? This is just week one. Okay? Again, our key verse, 2 Corinthians 4.13 Therefore, since we, well, uh, actually, let me back up. Our key verses in 2 Corinthians 4.13. We're going to go backwards and begin at the beginning of the chapter, chapter 4, 2 Corinthians 4, and we're going to read the context that leads to verse 13. Okay? So here, 2 Corinthians 4, beginning verse, verse 1. Therefore, and I don't have time to teach what's therefore. Paul's been teaching in chapter 3. This is the beginning of chapter 4. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. A couple things I want to just mention here off the back. Notice the pluralness in this first verse. Since we have this ministry, we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. <coughs> not losing heart is faith. When you lose heart, in one sense, your, your faith has been shipwrecked. But even if our gospel, it's our gospel. It's the gospel of Christ, but it's ours. And I'm going to point that out in just a moment. But I said I wasn't going to go back. But what's this ministry that we have? Paul says we, we, plural, have a ministry. What is that ministry? Well, he's been talking about it in chapter 3. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, chapter 3. But in verses 8 and 9, he says, he says, how will the ministry of the Spirit, we're talking about experiencing the Spirit of faith, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For the ministry of condemnation, which in verse 7 he calls it the ministry of death, had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. There is a ministry. It's called the ministry of the Spirit. It's also called the ministry of righteousness. And if you were to fast forward to chapter 5, verse 18, he calls it the ministry of reconciliation. Okay, I've taught about this in late years past, and I don't, I'm not teaching that right now. But there's a ministry that we have. Okay, and he goes on to say, that he, knew, who knew no sin be, he who knew no sin became sin that we might become <coughs> excuse me, the righteous God in him. Again, the pluralness. Throughout, throughout, throughout this letter, he's talking... He's not just talking about himself. The prophets don't just have this ministry. The, the fivefold ministry doesn't just have this ministry. The fivefold ministry is to equip the saints for the working of the ministry. Our job as pastors, teachers, and prophets, and whatnot, is to equip you, equip us, for the work of the ministry. We already have this ministry. We're, and therefore, since we have this ministry, we that we have received, we have the spirit of faith, we have the Spirit of God. We have the ministry of righteousness, the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of the Spirit. We do not lose heart. We have the Spirit of faith. We're not going to lose heart. And he's going to talk about that in just a moment. But if, I skipped out verse 2 just for time's sake. But even if our the gospel is veiled, verse 3, it is veiled to those who are perishing. <coughs> Excuse 
excuse me, who the mind, the God of this age, lower G, he's not talking about God, he's talking about Satan, the God of this age has blinded, what's this blindness? This blind, he's talk, he, it's the same veil that he mentions here in verse 3, he talked about it in, verse, in chapter 3, verses 14 to 16, the, basically the veil is the law, the enemy will use the law, and I don't have time to teach all that right now, but the, light, less, the God of this age has blinded those who do not believe, let the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, <coughs> should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus and ourselves, your bond service for Jesus' sake. Okay, there's a lot of good stuff here. It's not the scope of my teaching right now. For it is, the God who, it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shined in our hearts, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I can come back to this light a little bit later. <clears throat> but how many of you know that Jesus in the book of Matthew says, We are the light of the world. We have in these vessels, in these jars of clay that we're going to get into, we have the light of the knowledge of the glory of Christ. We have something. We are not getting it. And we're talking about we have the spirit of faith. And where does faith come from? The gospel. The gospel is not an it, it's a who. We have Christ. We have God, the gospel. Faith comes from hearing the gospel. And we have this glory of God. We have this gospel shining in our hearts so that we can shine it to other people. There's a lot here if I had time to uh, digest all of this. Let's go on the verse. In other words, Jesus came so we could have the glory, the light of God in us. Jesus, we didn't have life. We didn't have light. We were in the kingdom of darkness. And through Christ, we've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. You might not have realized that, but before you were born again, you were part of the kingdom of darkness. Okay? We could not have, but Jesus came so we could have the glory, the light of the gospel in us, and we could have the same spirit of faith that Jesus has. We have his spirit. We have his nature. We have his fullness, his faith on the inside of us, okay? <coughs> These are some points, these are not my major points in my message so far, these are just, I'm leading up to where I'm going, okay? Inside you, and I'm talking about right now that we have the spirit of faith, okay? Inside you, if you are born again, you have the spirit of Christ, you have the glory of God, you have the light of God, you have the life of God. There's so many things, that I, so many different ways I can express that. But inside you, you have the Spirit of Christ. And if you have the Spirit of Christ, you have the Spirit of faith. In my next teaching, my next series, I'm going to be talking about you already have the anointing. Because you have the anointed one. Okay? And we'll be talking about that later. But inside you, you have the Spirit of Christ. You are not trying to find the glory of God. You're not trying to find God. You already have it. If you are born again, if you heard the gospel, received the gospel, believed in the gospel, believed in Jesus, you already have the glory of God, the gospel on the inside of you. You're not trying to get it. It's not down there somewhere. It's already on the inside of you. Okay? Let's go on in our context. Back to verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We are earthen vessels, jars of clay, that the excellence of the power or the glory may be of God and not of us. We have in these vessels, in these born-again vessels, 
we have the excellence of the power of God. So that the excellence of the power may be of God, not us. It's God in you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you are born again, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Jesus is in you, and you are in him. You are one flesh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5. You are one flesh with God. And what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. We usually tie that in with marriage, and rightfully so. But it's also, we are married with Christ. We are born again. And in these vessels, we, I'm talking about we have the spirit of faith, but we have the glory of God. We have the presence of God. We have everything Christ is, we have. Okay? Inside you, you have the spirit of Christ, you have the glory of God. We already established that. Okay? That's we, in other words, inside you, you have the same power of Christ. You have the same spirit of faith. You have the same Christ. Okay? And you can't get any more power if you really understand what you already have in Christ. We're talking about experiencing the spirit of faith. And a lot of people, when they talk about faith, they're trying to get faith. You can't get faith. You already have it. You just need to learn. You, first of all, need to know what you have. And then when you know what you have, you need to start using it. Okay? You can't. You, so, so many of us are waiting for God to do something. We're waiting for the power. No, you already have it. It's your job to turn on the switch. It's your job to turn it on. It's your job to use it. But you can't use something if you don't even know you have it. You're still trying to get what you have. Have you ever lost your glasses and they were on top of your head? <laughs> have you ever lost something and it was still in your hand or whatever it might be right in front of your face? You can't get something. You can't even find it if you don't even know you have it. You're looking through every drawer. You're looking through the cushions in the couch. You're looking underneath the car seat. And it's on the top of your head. You can't get something you already got. Inside these vessels, you have Jesus. You have the spirit of faith. You have the spirit of Christ. You have the glory of God. You can't, you can't, and if you have the fullness of God that we talked about last week, you can't get any more power. You have it, but you need to know what you have, and then you need to start using it. You need to start speaking some things. You need to start doing some things. You have it, but you can't get any more power. You don't need more faith. You don't need more Jesus. You need to know who and what you have. Okay? That's the, it starts there. We can, we can learn how to use it in a sense, but we need to first of all establish we have it. You can't learn how to use something if you don't even have the understanding that you already have it. If you're still waiting to get it, then you can't use what you think you don't have. That makes sense? I can't use a pickup truck. Why? I don't have one. But I can use the car, that, the car that's in the garage. There's one car that doesn't work and there's one car that doesn't work. I can use the one I have. That does work. I can't use what I don't have. But if I don't realize I have a car, I can't use it. Why? Because I don't think I got it. I'm waiting for it to come. But I do have it, and I can use it uh, to the glory of God. Okay? You have in you, and these are just some of the lists. You have in you the life of God. You have in you the nature of God. You have in you the light of God, the glory of God, the spirit of God, the power of God, the kingdom. 
the kingdom of God and the victory of Christ. You have it already in you. We're trying to get it, many of us, but we already have it. We just need to know, we need to have a revelation and a of this inheritance that we already have in Christ Jesus. God has invested his kingdom, his glory, his spirit on the inside of you. You need to know how to use it. You, first of all, you need to know what that is in you. And then you need to start using it. Okay, you have it. And then I can I could express this with so many other <coughs> expressions, but you have the nature of God, the fullness of God in you. Okay? We talked about this last week. I just want to hit on it real quick this week. But Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 and to 21. We're going to go to verse 20, actually. But that Christ may dwell in you, in your heart. What? Through faith. We're talking about, in this series, experiencing the spirit of faith. <coughs> and Paul, starting with verse 14, prays a prayer. And he prays that Christ may dwell in your hearts. That's on the inside of you. Through what? Faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the width and length and depth and height? <coughs> Not only do you make Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, but Paul wants you to comprehend what you have. Okay? Verse, uh, verse uh, 19, actually. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. We talked about this last week at length. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. The power of God, the fullness of God, <coughs> the love of God, the faith of God is at work in you, in me. It's, it's not just there dormant. It's not there just looking pretty. It's not just there until Jesus comes. No, if the, the fullness of God, he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you could ever ask or imagine. And when we're asking something, we're speaking something. Okay? More than you could ever speak or ask or imagine. According to what? The power, the fullness of God, the spirit of God, the spirit of faith that is at work. It's working. We're not saved by our works, but we are saved to do good works. That's a whole other set of teachings we're going to get into in this teaching. We are, setting, we are saved for good works. We're not saved by good works. But we are saved not just so we can go to heaven. We are saved, and that is so true. Don't, don't, get, don't misunderstand me. I'm not watering that down. But there's a job to do. Jesus said we are to occupy until he comes. There's a job to do. We have the oil and the wine that we talked about a few weeks ago. There's a job to do. Jesus saved us for good works. Jesus empowered us with the Holy Spirit to do works, to do things. But faith without works is dead. And we're going to get into that a little bit later, okay? It also said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, but he began this book in chapter 1 saying that for all the promises of God are in him, yes. And in him, amen, to the glory of God through us, by us. All the promises of God are yes. And all the promises are, are amen, in Christ, through the glory of God, by us, or through us, depending on what translation you read. 
We have the turnkey. We have the power to experience the spirit of faith, to activate. And their voice activated. We're going to talk about that. Their voice activated. We can activate the promises of God. We have the authority. We have the keys of the kingdom, Jesus said. Okay? Am I making sense so far? I'm just, I'm just setting the stage. I haven't even got to the good stuff yet. Okay? Galatians 2.20. That's another way Paul says it. <coughs> he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives where? In me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says he lives his entire life by Christ who lives in him. And he lives his entire life by faith. We live by faith. The just, the righteous shall live by his faith. This is how we live, folks. This is how we become born again. We put faith in his grace. But we live this way. This is how we live. The just lives by his faith. We don't live by faith alone. We know we put faith in his grace. But we, faith, without faith, we can't activate his grace. His, we can't do anything to earn his grace. But we can do something to activate his grace. And that's what we're going to be talking about in a little while. Okay? Let's get back to 2 Corinthians 4. <coughs> in 2 Corinthians 4, again, verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. This power that we're supposed to do, this, these promises that we are to activate, the power, we're not, we don't have the power, we're, we're, we have the power, but we are not the power. We are not the source. We have the power in us. It's the Spirit of God. It's the nature of God. It's Christ. It's the, it's, it's, it's the Spirit of faith. Because the excellence of this power is not of us. <coughs> it's in us. We have this treasure in us, but we are not the source. Okay? But we have the source. Okay? We are in Christ. Okay? Let's move on. Verse 8. We, have, we are hard-pressed. Now we're going to change, change the music a little bit. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Okay, we got into the good stuff, and now we're getting to a little bit, okay. Why all this negative stuff? This is, re this is life reality, folks. How many know... And we're going to talk about this in a, in, a, in a moment here. First John 5, 4, we talked about this last week too. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes our world, our faith. We are hard-pressed. We are, we are perplexed. We are persecuted. And, and we, are, we are struck down. But we're not destroyed. We, we have a victory to overcome whatever, whatever is hard-pressing you. Whatever is perplexing you, whatever is persecuting you, whatever is striking you, you have a faith that overcomes the world. You have a victory that overcomes the world. We are. We're going to. Was Paul? Paul will talk about his life afflictions. Did Paul, did not all the apostles, did not Jesus get hard pressed and perplexed and persecuted? And yet they prevailed. They prevailed, what? By their faith. We have. 
the, we call the heroes of faith in, in Hebrews chapter 11. And you can, not only do they say, they, they will tell you how they overcame whatever obstacle was in the way, and they overcame by their faith. It didn't say that they weren't going to have any problems. It said no matter what your, what, no matter what your problems are, you will not fail. Why? Because you have faith. Okay? We're going to talk about this today. We are not in despair. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we have hope. We have the spirit of faith. And that's what we're talking about. Okay? In one sense, it seems to be easy to use the spirit of faith when everything's going well and hard when everything's falling apart. But actually, it's harder. It's harder to use your faith when everything's going well. Because you, you won't exercise it. You're going to trust you. You're going to trust it's just easy going. But when, you got, when you're facing a Goliath, when you're facing different things, you have a choice. Whether you are going to give up and surrender, or whether you're going to come out and die Goliath in the name of the Lord. You know, it, uh, anyway, that's a whole other uh, teaching, and I don't, I'm not going to go there yet. We're not in despair. We are not crushed. We are not destroyed. Now, talking about persecution just for a second, Paul says to Timothy, his apprentice, he says, yes, all who desire to live godly in Jesus Christ will suffer persecution. If you desire to live godly, you will be persecuted. Now, Andrew teaches this, and I agree with him. If you're not being persecuted, then chances are you're not desiring to live godly. In this world, we might not have seen this so much five or five years ago or so, but in this world, it is not popular to desire to live godly. Look at our world. Look at our government systems that are just evil. They're called evil good and good evil. All who desire to live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. Now, there's different levels of persecution, but we've seen people... We've seen families persecute people. We've seen, we've seen it at all different levels. We haven't seen it so much in the U.S., but it is coming. It's here. It's knocking on our door. But we all, and this is scripture, all who desire to live godly will suffer persecution. In other words, if you're going to desire to live godly, if you're going to live for God, you're going to bump to something. Bump into something. Paul, I mean, Andrew says it this way. He says, if, you, if you're not running into the devil, perhaps you're going in the same direction. If, if you are going, if you are going to live for God, if you're going to experience the spirit of faith, you're going to run into the devil a few times. Okay, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more. In Matthew, again on persecution, Jesus said, Blessed are you, you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely for my sake. Now, there's one thing to be, to be rival, uh, reviled and, and think, speak falsely against if you're doing something wrong. But it's another thing if you're being uh, reviled against because you are doing something right. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets before you. Persecution is not a bad thing. It's going to come. If you're, not fine, if you're not experiencing persecution, then chances are you're not you are not even desiring to live godly. Okay, that, 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 that can be a wake-up call for some people. We are not destroyed. We are more than conquerors. We have the spirit of faith. We are hard-pressed. But if we don't stop believing God, we won't stop speaking.
We're going to get into this. I haven't gotten to the heart of it yet. But if we, we are more than conquerors, we are hard-pressed, but we won't stop believing God, and we will not stop speaking no matter how hard and difficult and reviled we may get. Okay, we're going to get into this. Again, we're talking about we have the spirit of faith, and the spirit of faith speaks. We're going to start going in this direction, number two, with we have something to say. Okay? Going back to Second Corinthians, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Verse 10, always carried about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we live, for he, we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh, so then death is working in us, but life in you. Okay? Verse, this brings us to verse 13, our key verse. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. No matter what we're going through, no matter what persecution, no matter what's hard pressing us, no matter what the circumstance, we are going to keep believing God in the face of our challenges, in the face of our difficulties, in the face of our problems, in the face of persecution, all these things, that in, the, in, in, in the face of all these things that are coming against us, we are going to keep believing God. We have the spirit of faith. We will keep. When, what's Paul saying in this passage? We are hard-pressed on every side. we got things coming against us, but we have the same spirit of faith, and we're going to keep going forward, okay? Let's read a little further, and then we're going to come back to verse 13 again. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus also will raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you for all sake, all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. We talked about this in length on Easter Sunday when we actually used some of these passages. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our, our outer man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. I want to highlight this. And King James Version says this, verse 16, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perishing, yet we are renewed day by day. King James uses the word faint, faint not. New King James uses the phrase, do not lose heart. Because there is the grace of God in your life, we are not going to faint. Because we have the plan of God and the purpose of God on our life, the anointing of God, the glory of God, the light of God, the life of God on our life, we are not going to faint. We might be facing some things. The enemy might be coming against us. But we are not going to faint. Why? Because the grace of God is in our life. The anointing of God is in our life. We have the spirit of faith. Okay, we have God's plan. I don't, you might not be a pastor, you might not be a preacher, but God has a plan for your life. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, for plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. You will call upon me, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. But so many times, how many of you know that Paul will say in another teaching, I think it's in Galatians, that we, 
will not grow weary in doing good. But so many times, especially in the longevity of the battle, we have a temptation to faint, to lose heart, to our hearts waxing cold. Okay? Verse 16 says, we will not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Yet we are being renewed day by day. We are being strengthened, we are being renewed by the spirit of faith from the inside out day by day. No matter what is going on, no matter how dark and long and hard the problem is, by the spirit of faith, we are going to be renewed day by day. We have our daily bread. I, you know, I, sometimes I just need to get by for the day. Jesus said, in other words, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. But we are going to, he's going to give us enough daily bread. He's going to give us enough that we can be renewed day by day, moment by moment. We live by faith. We just need, we're in the, we're in the storm, but like Peter, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. And step by step, he will lead us. And we, it says in Isaiah, we will hear a voice behind us. This is the way, walk ye in it. Okay? Second Corinthians 4, back to 2 Corinthians 4, for our light afflictions. Now when Paul talks about light afflictions, this is the man who was uh, left for dead several times. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was bent by snakes. He, had, he gives a whole list of things that he, he calls light afflictions, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal way of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. But the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Okay. In other words, there's a lot of there's a lot here. I can I can I can take time to zero in on each phrase of this chapter, but we have to choose, folks. When situations arise, when we are perplexed, when the enemy when the enemy is persecuting us, and different things coming on, we have to choose to fix our eyes on the Word of God, the promises of God, the things of God, the glory of God, and not the problem. We have to choose. And it's a day-by-day, day, it's a moment-by-moment moment decision. But we have to choose. When we, when the storm comes on, when the enemy comes in like a flood, we have to choose. Yes, he will raise up a standard against him, but we have to choose to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the Word of God, the promise of God. Yes, I understand what the doctor said. Yes, I understand what your body's telling you. Yes, I understand what the, what's going on. But what did God say? What does God say about the situation? What did God tell you what would happen? Yes, I understand that when you, you spied out the land, and when we go back to the book of Exodus, they spied out the land, and they saw there was giants in the land. They felt like grasshoppers in their own sight. But God said, God told them ahead of time that there would be giants in the land, but you ought to take them out. The Spirit of God is in you. The Spirit of you have the nature of God. You can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. What did God tell you? <coughs> you know, when we started this ministry, things were going well, but then we had some hiccups in the last few years. People coming against us in different ways, different reasons. But what did God tell us to do? There was times we wanted to quit. There was times we wanted to faint. There was times we wanted to just, you know, uh, end it all, move away, change our name, do all this, and start fresh, start new. 
But that's not what God told us to do. God gave us a promise. God gave us a word. God told us things to do. God gave us his, his promise. And we have to do what God told us to do. And if you haven't got a fresh word, then do the thing that God told you last. Because if he hasn't told you something new, there's not a new assignment. Keep doing the assignment that God is going to do. I understand that you might have a ministry like Jeremiah. No one's going to listen to you. You might have a ministry where you might only have one person. And that is the jailer. When Paul wanted to go to Asia, Paul wanted to go to different places. But the Spirit forbade him to go. And so he went to Ephesus. He didn't even want to go to Ephesus. But the, he had a dream to go to Ephesus. I think it was Ephesus or maybe it was Philippi. I might have the wrong city. But he got there. He met. He led one servant girl to the Lord. And then they were arrested. It caused a riot because she got saved. He got arrested, was put into the deepest part of the dungeon, dungeon and they, they could have chose. They could have chose to. I, I was mistreated for being a Roman citizen. I was flawed and, and all these different things. But they chose to fix your eyes on Jesus. Paul and Silas chose to worship God at midnight, and the place shook. There was an earthquake, and the jailer and his family came to Christ. Another revival started at midnight. But Paul would have never met that jailer if he had gone to Asia, if he had done his own thing. And how many of you know, sometimes God calls you to do something. My pastor growing up told me there's a time, there's a difference between God calling you and God sending you. Sometimes we, God tells us to do something, but like Abraham, and we're going to talk about Abraham next week, if I even get to David this week, but we, we're going to be talking about Abraham, where Abraham got a promise from God, but through Sarah, he tried to do it in his own way, and he created an Ishmael. When you do what God calls you to do in your strength, in your way, you will create an Ishmael. But when you allow God to do it in you and through you the way he wants to do it, and the timing and the manner he wants you to do it, you'll create an Isaac. He, not, he won't create it, he will do it. Because it's not this power is not of you, this power is of God. God may call you to do something, but don't, don't take the reins and do it in your own strength. Yes, there's something for you to do. But you are being led day by day, step by step, by the spirit of faith, by the spirit of God. You have promises. You have the, the, the anointing to, to walk in those promises. But you do not have the anointing to do it in your own strength, to do it in your own way, to do it in your own timing. It, you, you have to, He's your Lord. You are not your own Lord. Okay? So many times we talk, we call it the spirit of faith, but really we're not trusting God. We're trusting what we're doing. There's a difference between you trusting God and God and you trusting yourself. You might have every intention that, well, God told me to do this. Did he tell you to do it that way? Did he tell you when to go? Or did he just tell you where to go? There have been many times God told us to do something, but he doesn't say when. You know, we even feel a change coming very soon. Soon, we don't know whether it's going to be a year from now, five years from now, and he hasn't even told us all what that change looks like. And we're not trying to, to look under every rock what that change is, but we are seeking the Lord. We're choosing to fix our eyes on the, on Him, His promises, seeking God. And when He tells us to do something, we can have to go. We made a move last year, a, a year ago, June. God told us to come here to Camarillo. You know, it, it didn't make sense, and some things backfired when we got here. But we, we just knew that we knew that God told us to go, go come here. There were some major things that backfired for us. But are we going to choose to listen to the word of God? Or are we going to choose to listen to the circumstances? 
We're going to let God tell us, define us. And there was times even in the midst of all that, we just wanted to quit. <laughs> you know, we didn't know maybe that was the end of this ministry. But it wasn't. In, and actually, when we fought, we kept, we, 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 I can't say that there wasn't times and moments where we got our eyes on the circumstances and not the situation. But when we got our eyes back on Jesus, this ministry, at least media speaking, had exploded. In the last four or five months, we are now reaching almost 7,000 people every week through these teachings where uh, the first five years or so, we were just reaching a, a, a close 100. <laughs> now, we might not see a lot of people in the living room, but there's different reasons for that. But when we followed the Word of God and the promise of God, and when the things got tough, we kept our eyes on Jesus, things began to happen. I'm, I'm letting some of this teaching get out ahead of time. But we have to choose. We have a choice to keep our eyes focused on, on the Word of God, the promise of God. We have, again, folks, we have the life of God. We have the grace of God, the light of God, the love of God, the purpose of God. We have the promise of God. We have the power of God. We have the glory of God. We have the Word of God. And we have the spirit of faith. We already have that. God is living on the inside of us. Yes, we have challenges. Yes, we have challenges. And, you know, there's something that keeps coming up in my spirit, you know, too, is that there are some things like sickness and everything that God said he's already taking. Well, how do we deal with that? I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to some of that stuff. Yes, we have challenges. Okay? But we all have to choose to believe God. <coughs> You know, you might be Paul, like Paul. You wanted to go to Asia, but he told you to go to Philippi. And now you're sitting at midnight in the middle of a dungeon after you've been beaten and whipped when you shouldn't have been because you're a Roman citizen. He chose to believe God. We need to believe God. Just because the circumstances are coming unravel doesn't mean that God is in charge of those circumstances. Yes, you might have challenges. There were many times... Paul was shipwrecked. He was stoned. He was flawed. He was beaten. He was left for dead. He talked about his life afflictions. But he chose to believe God despite what was going on. Is this making sense? Okay? We have the spirit of faith, but the spirit of faith speaks. I haven't really gotten to the speaking part yet, but I'm going there. Because I have the spirit of faith, I'm going to say something. There's some things I'm going to say. And there's some things I'm not going to say. Okay? I am going to speak. What am I going to speak? I'm going to speak some things. Because I have the spirit of faith. I'm going to speak what God says about me. I'm going to speak what God says about you. I'm going to speak what God says about the situation. I may not understand why things are happening. You know, again, going back to sickness. I, you know... I don't know why I'm not getting delivered from this illness or sickness. But I'm, I'm just speaking hypothetically. I'm speaking hypothetically for you. But I'm going to keep saying what God says. By his strife I'm healed. Well, it seems like it's getting worse. By his strife I'm healed. I'm not seeing it work. By his strife. I'm going to keep speaking the word of God. I don't care how it looks. I don't care how long it's gone on. I am choosing to believe God. I can put this towards finances. God told me to do some things. I don't have the money, the funds to do it. I'm going to believe 
God. I don't know why God have told us to pack all our things and move to Camarillo or wherever God may have told you to move. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust Him. Okay? I'm, go I'm not going to speak doubt. I'm not going to speak <coughs> worry. I'm not going to mumble and complain. I'm going to speak what God says about the situation. I'm going to let my flesh shut up and I'm going to let... I'm going to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. My flesh wants to complain. My flesh wants to worry. I did some mumbling grumbling this morning because uh, that some of the technology wasn't working right. That's not what God said. That's what I was saying. Okay? That doesn't make it right, but I need to speak what God says. Okay? I need to speak the word of God about the situation. Well, the word of God says this, and my situation gets this. I'm going to speak what God says. By the stripes I'm healed. Well, the circumstances are not changing. I'm not going to believe my circumstances. I'm going to believe God. The, the circumstances might not be bowing down. I don't know why all the reasons we're going to get there, but I'm going to keep speaking. I'm, I'm not going to back down. By the stripes I'm healed. I'm going to speak the word of God. The, the circumstances can change. The word of God will never change. And if the circumstances are saying this, and the word of God is saying this, I'm not going to bow to the circumstances. I'm going to bow to the word of God. And I'm going to speak the word of God, not the circumstances. Well, the circumstances are not changing. Well, the word of God is not going to change, and I'm going to keep speaking the spirit of faith and I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know when it's going to take. But those circumstances are going to bow to the Word of God. The Word of God can change your circumstances. The circumstances will never change the Word of God. Will never. I don't care. You might be the only one in a million people who are believing God, like Joshua and Caleb were the only two who believed God, and they were going to believe God, even if the whole nation was not going to believe God, they believed God. They even wanted to stone and kill Joshua and Caleb for believing God, and Joshua and Caleb were the only two out of that entire generation that went into the promised land. I'm going to believe God. I, and I'm going to stop speaking like the rest of the world. I'm going to stop speaking like other people. Well, it's flu season. Well, it's just it's part of this fallen world. Yes, it's part of this fallen world, but I'm not part of this fallen world. I'm born again. And I have the spirit of faith. Okay? I'm going to speak the promises of God. Because all the promises of God are yes. All the promises of God are amen to the glory of God by us. Okay? And I'm going to speak the grace of God. By <coughs> we'll eventually get in here, Ephesians 2.8. But by grace you are saved through faith. Okay? I have the spirit of faith. And I'm going to speak what God says about the situation. Okay? I'm not going to speak by what I see, which is temporal. I'm going to speak by which I, what is true, which is eternal. I have the spirit of faith, and I'm going to speak what God says about the situation. In other words, the speak the, 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 the spirit of faith is a speaking spirit. Now, so is fear and doubt. They are also speaking spirits too, but they, we we are we don't have the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. Okay. 
And we're going to talk about that later in our series. But the spirit of faith is a speaking spirit. If you have the spirit of faith, you can't just sit there and be quiet. I want to say that again. The spirit of faith is a speaking spirit. And because you have the spirit of faith, you can't just sit there and be quiet. I want to say this again, and we're going to look at an example when we get there today. But the spirit of faith is a speaking spirit. And if you have the spirit of faith, and it's not added if you have, you do have the spirit of faith, you can't just sit there and be quiet. Okay? Whose words are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the, the word of the world or your circumstance, your doctor, your banker? Are you going to believe the word of God? If you believe his word, you will look different. You will think different. You will talk different. You will live different. You will believe different. You can be like Joshua and Caleb, who they look different. They talk different. They thought different. They lived different. They believed different. We're going to look at David and Goliath. When he came on the scene, he looked, he talked different than the armies of Israel. He talked different than his own brother. He talked different than even King Saul. He talked different than Goliath. He thought he looked different. He talked different. He lived different. He believed different. And he got different results. Joshua and Caleb got different results. Daniel got different results. Jesus got different results. Okay? You might be the only one. You might be, you might look crazy. But faith will, faith will make other people look crazy in the end. Okay? And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Now we're going to look at what is written. This whole phrase came by what is written. Well, what was written that said, I believe and therefore spoke? Let's, I think it behooves us to, to find out what that was. He's quoting from something. There's quotation marks in there. Okay, so let's look what was written. Let's go to Psalm 116. We're going to pick it up in verse 5. <coughs> this is David writing Psalm 116. It says, Gracious is the Lord, and righteous, yes, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. This all sounds good so far, right? Verse 8. For you have delivered my soul from, my, from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe. Therefore I spoke. And then there's this phrase, because this is what David quotes, I am greatly afflicted. Whoa, 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 what happened here? I mean, starting with verse 5, it was all good stuff. We get to verse 8, 9, he delivered me, he kept my feet from falling, I walked before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe and therefore I spoke. And then David has quotes. <laughs> I'm greatly afflicted. Now some somebody just turned the channel or something. You know, it's kind of like, you know, someone's selling you a good deal, and then after you sign the paperwork, they give you the fine print. Oh, you're greatly afflicted. That, I don't know about you, but what David's quoting here just sounds opposite what he just said in the previous verses. Okay, I believe and therefore I spoke. But I'm greatly afflicted. Now, how many of you know David did go through afflictions? King Saul was trying to kill him. 
He had Goliath. He he had some other issues. Okay, he had some afflictions, and yet he's he he gives he gives a lot of accolades to God's faithfulness and His goodness to him, His graciousness to him. But he, in the midst of all this, he's quoting. I believe, and therefore I spoke. Paul is quoting from this verse, and David is quoting from himself, who says, "I'm I'm greatly afflicted." Now, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter ten, I'm not going to read the whole context. The writer of Hebrews says, But recall the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Sounds a lot like David from Psalm 116. First, uh, in the King James, uh, he says it this way, But call to remembrance the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of afflictions. How many know it's called a fight of faith? We have the spirit of faith, but there's a fight going on. After you, after you were illuminated, you were in a great fight. New King James says, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle. How many of you, since you've been saved, have had some struggles? You've had some afflictions. You've had some fights of afflictions. He goes on to say in verse 35, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, that's faith, which hath great recompense of reward. Just because you are in a fight, after you've been eliminated, you might be in a fight. <coughs> okay, don't cast away your faith. Don't let your faith become shipwrecked. Don't cast away your confidence because your faith, your, your confidence has a recompense of reward. Let me say something to you. Sometimes you will receive a great affliction or attack in the area you are believing God. You might not receive an attack so much in the area where you're not so much trusting God. But in that specific area where you're trusting God, that's where the enemy is going to attack you many times. I think we can all attest to that. We might not have recognized it every time we're not going to get attacked. Before you believed you were going the way the rest of the world, before you believe, before you acted in faith, you were going to the rest of the world. Before you stood on the word of God and his promises, you were going to the rest of the world. Before you believed, you weren't much of a threat to Satan's kingdom. And you weren't a lot of good to God's kingdom. That's where it kind of hits. But when you are not believing, when you are not asking in faith, when you are not standing to God's promises, like David and other people that we're going to look at, you're not really a threat to the Satan's kingdom. And you are not a lot of good to God's kingdom. And so, you know, but Satan knows if you will believe this gospel, if you will know what you have, this spirit of faith, and begin to speak some things, begin to do some things, you are a threat to his kingdom. And you are, you are have potential in God's kingdom. Because this is a victory that overcomes the world from faith. Faith. And a lot of times the enemy wants to fight, will afflict you, will attack you in the area where you are believing God because he wants to shipwreck your faith. And if he begins to shipwreck your faith, you are no threat to him in that area. He's got you. He will, he's out to kill, still destroy, but he's out. It's called the fight of faith. Faith, faith. 
And when you are taking the stand to believe God, the enemy is going to try to shoot you down where you are believing God. So that you, because he knows that there is a recompense of a reward if you cast out their confidence. And sometimes some of us just get to grow weary in doing well. Because we're just tired of the fight. I don't know about you, but I've done that. Okay? But when you heard the word of God, when you believed the word of God, when you stood on the word of God, when you spoke the word of God, you became a threat to the devil's kingdom and great potential for God's kingdom. I believe and therefore I spoke. But when you believe, when you do, you have potential. You have the spirit of faith because this is a victory that overcomes the world, your faith. Again, all of the promises of God are yes. They're already yes. The grace of God is already on the promises of God. And they're already amen. But we've got to use them. And if we are not going to believe the promises, and we're not going to believe them, then they will never be activated to thwart the kingdom of darkness and to promote the kingdom of God that is already within you. If you don't know what you have, and if you don't begin to, you might know what you have, but you are speaking everything but the kingdom of God, the promise of God, the word of God. You are, you are giving more allegiance to the problem than you are God and his kingdom. Then it's, it's, it's not going to work. It's going to be counterproductive. Am I making sense? Okay. David said, I believe, therefore I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. The devil will tempt and afflict you at the point you are believing God. Because there are areas where you're not believing God. You're no threat. He doesn't need to mess with that. <laughs> but he, did, he does need, need to mess with you believing God. Because the church, if we will believe this, we can turn the world upside down and cook us. There is nothing impossible for him who believes. We can do all things in Christ to give us strength. We have the keys of the kingdom. And if we don't know how the, we are, we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb to re, reign as kings and priests in the earth. Revelation 5, chapter 9, verse 10. And if we don't learn, if we don't learn who, what we have and begin to speak what we have and who we are, you know, uh, in one sense, we are just on the back seat. Now, I'm basically out of time. I want to talk about David that time, so I think I'm going to pick it up here next week. Uh, I want to get here, but let, you okay if I introduce it a little bit? Okay? And then we're going to get here uh, next week, and then we're going to look at Abraham next. Okay? So we, we already looked at how Paul is quoting from David in Psalm 116. But then we're going to really, this all takes place in 1 Samuel 17, where it comes David and Goliath. Okay? Now, in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, David was anointed to be king. He played his heart before Saul many times. He went back and back to take care of his father's sheep. His brothers went to war, and his father had him take sheets of crackers, not only to his brothers, but also to the commanders and other people. Goliath was defying the armies of the, uh, Israel. That's when David comes on the scene in 1 Samuel 17. And David heard Goliath's taunts, and he began to speak. Okay? 
Then David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, What shall we be done for a man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the army of the living God? Again, Saul and his armies were shaking their boots for 40 days, doing nothing. They had the same covenant, they had the same relationship with God that David did. Then this little boy shows up and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the army of the living God? The whole army, Saul, the king, and his whole army were shaking their boots for 40 days, doing nothing, wallowing in fear. But this little boy, <coughs> he shows up and he begins to say something. He begins to speak something. And why did David look at things differently? When you are anointed by God, David was anointed in chapter 16. You're going to look at things differently. You're going to think differently. You're going to talk differently. And you are going to act differently. Isaiah 61, we're going to get here in our next series. You thought you were always going to get there in my last series. I'm going to get there in my next series. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He has anointed you to say some things. To speak some things. To do some things. But David, who was anointed by God, looked at things differently. And Saul and the army of Israel. Saul was anointed by God, but he lost that anointing, and that was a whole other story. Here in the New Testament, we have not lost anointing. Now, some of us, we need to fan the flame of the Spirit of God who's in us, as Paul encouraged Timothy. But he did not give us a spirit of fear, but power of love and a sound mind. Some of us have become rusty. Some of us have become complacent. Some of us have grown weary and doing good. But when we are anointed by God, and we are walking in that anointing. We're going to look at things differently. We're going to think differently. We're going to talk differently. We're going to act differently. Stop telling God about your problems. Start telling your problems about your God. I, I, we talk about this a lot in this ministry. In other words, stop talking about your problems. And start talking about God. So many times I minister to people. And, and I understand maybe the first conversation. They're going to tell me what's going on. But every time I keep talking to them, they keep talking and talking and talking and talking. And tell, they keep retelling the story how bad it is. Stop talking about the problem. Stop magnifying the problem. Stop speaking about the problem. And start talking about your God. It's time to change the music. It's time to change the record. You ever, some of you don't know what a record is, but what a record, it keeps, it get, the needle gets stuck and it keeps playing the same phrase over and over and over again. It's, it might be kind of funny the first time, but it gets old after a while. I didn't come here, here, here to have the record just play and spin. I came to hear music. I came to hear something. And you didn't come to church just to hear an inspirational message. You came to hear a word from God. We, I'm not here to play church. I'm here to bring the kingdom of God. Jesus sent the 12, he sent the 70, and he said, go and speak and say the kingdom of God is here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you receive, now freely give. And so we need to stop talking about the problem. We need to stop talking about what's going wrong in the world when we need to talk about our God. And I'm not saying we need to be totally absent-minded about what's going on, but we need to, we need to change our language. There's a language of faith. And the spirit of faith speaks. And if what you are speaking most of the time tells me what you're believing. 
Some of you are believing the things of the world more than you believe in God because that's what you talk about all the time. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And I can tell what's in the abundance of your heart by what you keep talking about. I'm not saying in, 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 a, in a random conversation you might mention some things, but I'm talking about your most dominant conversation all the time. Your most repetitive conversation. Are you talking about God or the problems that you're facing in your life, your finances, your, your physical problems? This all speaks to unbelief. If you are, and, I, and I'm not trying to be insensitive, I understand we're going through stuff, and I wrestle with these things too, but I need to sometimes stop talking about what's going wrong and start talking to my problems about my God. It's time to change the language. It's time to stop. I'm going to spend more time on this. I'm out of time. I'm already, uh, I've got a little more time. Uh, I was looking at the clock on. I still have four minutes. I'm going to take my four minutes. So, uh, but we, we, tell us, we just need to change the music. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be insensitive to what's hurting and bothering you. But I don't doubt you, but I want results. The kingdom of God is supposed to work. It's not because the batteries need to be changed. You know, my little clicker this morning didn't work on the first song because I need to change the batteries. The power of God is in you. The spirit of God, the spirit of faith is in you. It's not dormant. It didn't go to sleep. It's working 24-7. But it's voice activated. And it's not just saying the right phrases. It's not just saying the right words. If you, you Anybody can recite anything. But if you don't believe it, and you're just saying it because you're now trusting what you're saying and not trusting the Word of God. There's a big difference. Are you trusting what you, 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 Anybody can recite something. Anyone can say the right words. But are you trusting what you're doing? Or are you trusting what God said? And therefore, in response, you're saying something. There's a difference. Okay? Going back to the story here in verse 28. Now Eliab, that was David's brother, his oldest brother, Heard when he, David, spoke to the man, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the solace of your heart. <coughs> For you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him, or he turned aside, the king James says, and, and toward another, and said, the same thing these people answered him as the first ones did. No matter, even his brother was starting to ridicule him. But David, who had the spirit of faith, wouldn't stop thinking. When you have the spirit of faith, you, you, there's nobody can shut you up. You're going to keep speaking. Now, when the words that David spoke were heard, they, sometimes it takes a while for people to hear you, you know. But then when they heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go out and fight with the Philistine. And say, Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, or are, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. But David said, <laughs> You know, the spirit of faith will keep speaking no matter what comes against you. Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came, he took a lamb out of the flock. I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from his mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by his beard and struck and killed it. 
and your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Is your sickness defying the armies of the living God? Is your finances defying the armies of the living God? Is your situation, your problems, defying the armies of the living God? Then it should be like one of these, lying in there. Moreover, David said, he keeps talking, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he <coughs> will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. David was not going to analyze the size of Goliath. It didn't matter. Goliath could have been twice the size that he was. Goliath could have been ten times the size that he actually was. It didn't matter how big Goliath was. It didn't matter how young David was. It didn't matter who God was in his covenant relationship. And David said, and he, he was only fixing on one thing. I'm in a covenant relationship with God, and this, this guy has defied the armies of the living God, and he's coming down. Okay? What are you doing when no, see, what are you doing when no one's watching? David was killing bears and lions when nobody was watching. No one knew these stories. <coughs> I understand you can tell a fish story now and then, but David was telling no fish story. What you do when nobody's watching will determine what you do when everyone's watching. David was trusting God. It's not about the lion and the bear. David knew who his God was, and he knew that no lion, no bear, and no, no Goliath was going to take what was God's. That makes sense. He was David was not going to put up with some lion or some bear or some Goliath stealing from him what was his from God. And he trusted God, and he did that. And he did that in private, and he did that in public. Okay. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe that verse book we also believe in that verse speak. We have the same spirit of faith David has, because we have the same God. We have the same Jesus. That David has. David says, I believe and therefore I spoke. I'm greatly afflicted. David looked at things differently. The anointing was on him. His brother ridiculed him, but he kept speaking. Saul questioned him, but he kept speaking. <coughs> David looked for a reason to believe God. Saul was looking for every reason why it wouldn't work. The armies of Israel were looking for every reason why it wouldn't work. But David kept looking for a reason why it would work. And no matter what your situation is, if you keep trying to find out why God's word won't work, then that's what you believe. But I don't care how big it is, how dark it is, how dead it is. The Spirit of God will work. It can be dead like Lazarus. It can be deader than dead. But I don't care how impossible it is. I'm not going to analyze all the reasons why God's word won't work, I'm going to analyze no matter what it is, how it is, how complex it is, my God can do it. And I'm going to look for every reason why God can do it, not why every reason why God can't do it. There's a big difference. And sometimes we analyze ourselves out of faith. And we need to stop analyzing and we need to start speaking. The spirit of faith. Okay? Going back, so the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. 
His brother ridiculed him. Saul questioned him. Goliath derided him and taunted him. But David kept speaking. I don't care how big it might get. It might even sound like it's getting worse. Keep speaking. Keep believing. Now, don't trust what you're doing, the speaking. Trust who you're believing. And out of the abundance of the heart, he will speak. If you are believing God, you can't shut up. It, it, you know, when I say keep speaking, don't trust your speaking. Don't trust that. Trust God. Keep believing God because if you believe, if you have the spirit of faith, you will speak. It will just flow. It will ooze out of you. You don't have to try. It will be there. Okay? When the devil talks trash to you, tries to get you to stop believing God, talk back. He's not your Lord. Jesus is my Lord. I'm not part of his kingdom. I'm not playing his game. God has already set the motion, pieces in motion. And God said I can use his name. God said I can believe in him. And when the devil talks, when my body talks back to me, I talk back. You will be healed. You will be whole. I talk to my wallet and my finances. God's told me to start them things. And you will produce. There was one time a few years ago, I, I was starting an accounting business, a bookkeeping business, and I talked to my phone. I said, you will, you will ring and bring the calls. That, that phone rang 80 times that week. And then finally, I had so many phone calls, I couldn't produce them all. I said, shut up. <laughs> and it shut up. We can speak to them. There was, there was one time, this is several years ago, I was going to Bible college, not carriage, but another Bible college at the time. And I didn't have the revelation I have now, but my gas ticket was on fumes, and I had to get to class. And I was running a little bit late, and I was trying not to speed, speed and obey mom, you know. But I wanted to get there, and I didn't have time to pull over for gas. And I just spoke to that gas gauge. I said, you will fill up in the name of Jesus. And that gas gauge filled up. And that was the cheapest gas I ever got. It was, you know. This, folks, this stuff works. And so, and I wasn't, I, I, you know, anyway, I mean, I just saw it. I saw the gas gauge move. We should expect that type of stuff to happen. And I'm not saying that's how, that's how we should get gas every single time. We need to bless, we need to pay for some things. Get the season with season and God with God. But there's some times where God can do things like that to, to give you a lesson that this stuff works. Am I making sense? Okay. Second step, back to second step. Then David said, I mean, everyone's talking to him, but he's talking back. And David said to Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the Lord of God of the army of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will give, deliver you to my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. That all of earth may know that there is a God in Israel. See, it's not just for you why I want these saints to work. When these saints begin to work, the world will know that there's a God. And that's the testimony. We talked in our last series how we are supposed to be a witness when the Spirit of God comes upon us. And our lives, our ministry, 
that we have should be a witness. That the world should be amazed in awe of in wonder, astonished at what God is doing. Peter, when Jesus came into Peter's boat and he he'd been fishing all night, caught nothing. He taught, he spoke the word of God, he taught the people from the boat. And then he spoke unto Peter and said, launch out to the deep and that day and that's for the catch. And they caught such a load that the, the, the boats began to sink and the, the nets began to break. And Peter was astonished at the catch of fish. And Peter became a disciple. And Peter became a, a fisher of men and not so much a fisher for fish. He was astonished. People should be astonished. People were astonished when Jesus laid hands on the sick and they recovered. And he healed the sick. People were astonished when he calmed the storm and the seas and whatnot. And God said, we shall do these works and even greater. Because we have the spirit of faith. And we can speak. We can do all things through Christ who gets strength. He said, then, this all, then all this assembly shall know the Lord does not save with the sword and spear, nor the, for the battles of the Lord, and he will give it you into our hands. His brother may have ridiculed him. Saul may have questioned him. Goliath may have divided him. But David kept speaking the word of God. I'm over time. I have more i got to say. We're going to pick it up next week. Uh, we're going to talk about, you know, when God speaks, what happens. We're going to talk about Abraham when he takes these two things about, um, let's see if I have my two notes here. Uh, let me just finish this real quick. Sometimes you will receive great affliction in the area you are believing God, but you keep believing God. You keep believing Him. You, you have the recompense for a reward. Okay. Um, okay, that's what I like. I'm going to talk about God next week. we talk about David this week. I just have my two points for here again. We have the spirit of faith, and the spirit of faith that we have begins to speak. Two main points. We're going to keep bringing that in this teaching. Lord, we worship you. We magnify you. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, I don't want this to just be a message. I want this to be something that we learn and we begin to exercise so that we can experience the spirit of faith. Bless us as we go and help us to walk our life of faith when you said the just shall live by his faith. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you tonight. It's o'clock.